Today, I want to introduce you to a fascinating man by the name of Andy Lytle. He has his hands in so many different projects inside Oregon wine country. It is absolutely mind blowing. His sense of drive, purpose, and humbleness is absolutely mind blowing to me. With the Lytle Barnett label, Albain, At the Joy, Windfall, and another project that not many people have heard of, we kind of dive into. So grab a bottle of wine, a few glasses, sit back, relax, and enjoy. And thank you so much. All right, Andy, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an absolute pleasure to get to know your story and to dive a little bit further. I, I can't wait to, to see what comes about. It's a pleasure to be with you. Super yeah. fun. Appreciate your support. Yeah, no, most definitely. I'll pour us a little bit of wine to enjoy Great. during the conversation. Feel free to speak about which, whatever you want to talk about. If you don't want to talk about it, it's uh, purely up to you. All right. And then toward the end, I'll re I will do the little reveal. Okay. And uh, the color fairly light. Yeah. Oh, my initial thought looking at his gamut. <laughs> I wanted to, I think I said before we started recording, I wanted to bring a bottle of bubbles, but it's just impossible to like figure out how to bring a blind bottle of bubbles, make sure it's cold and yeah, it's just impossible. Yeah. Yeah. We have some sleeves, so I'll, leave, I'll let you go home with a sleeve or two and it'll keep it cold. So next time you can surprise somebody. With some well, that would be interesting. Pretty fun. Yeah. Yes. Well, cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank Let's you. Good happy here. Yes. Beautiful. Lots of fruit and jam in there. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, you have had quite the, you, you've been in the industry for a very long time. Yeah. But I'm going to call it like the second incarnation of your career. I believe it was like December, 2018. You took a business trip to San Francisco. That's right. And at the time you were working for the Jackson family. That's correct. And there were a few events that seemed pivotal. To like where you're at today. Do you want to go into that a little sure. bit? Yeah, explain? I think it's a great point because it was a, a thing that kind of got me started. I'd really enjoyed my time at the Jackson family. I'd been there about 10 years <clears throat> and I was, it was a trip down to San Francisco and I had been contemplating. I had knew that some of the stuff that we had done with Lytle Barnett had been incubating for a number of years. We knew it was coming online. So there was already some thought that I had on what is the next step and Who's going to run it? Who's going to do it? And I looked in the mirror and it was just me looking back at myself. So I was like, okay, we got to start thinking about that opportunity. But in December of 18, on the trip down, the morning before I got on the plane, I got a phone call from a buddy of mine who I went to college with. And he had let me know that he had been diagnosed with cancer, pretty severe. And his chances of survival were about 7%. So it was very shocking to me to think about my age at the time I was 48, what's happening in my life. And to think that I have a friend that's, you know, struggling to survive and thank right. God he did, which is an amazing survival. But we got down there to San Francisco. I got down there and I was working with one of our reps in the San Francisco area. And I like to take them to lunch and not talk about wine or not talk about the business and just get to know them. And I said, tell me something that's interesting that's happened to you in the last six months. And she said, my grandparents were in the, I can't remember the name of the fire. The Paradise story. Fire. Paradise Fire. Yeah. And I go, well, tell me about that. She said, well, they're in their kind of early seventies. They're still in pretty good shape, but they were told to flee out of paradise. There's only one way in and one way out. So they got into their car and they started going and all the sirens and the fire trucks were coming back at them. And in the blowhorn, the police officers were yelling, get out of your car and run. So if you can imagine hearing that, right, that kind of choked me up. And I was right. thinking about what would you do if you heard that? And so they did, they got out of their car and they ran and they circled up into a Kmart parking lot. And the grandfather went and asked a police officer and said, what should we do? And the police officer looked at him and said, hold on to your loved ones and pray. Hearing it just makes me tear up. You can hear it now. Right. No, I can just that, right now. You know, the, the mortality of it. And they ended up surviving, which was spectacular. I had a great day that day. The next morning, I flew back out to fly back home to Seattle. And the news in the morning was that Laverne from Laverne and Shirley, she, unbelievable uh, life she's had. She uh, survived brain cancer, survived stomach cancer, and survived, she's type 1 diabetic. And I'm a type 1 diabetic. I'm 48 years old and the news came out that she had passed away from complications of type one diabetes. 
And it just hit me so hard that right. I started thinking backwards in my life that I was 48 years old. I had just been in college 25 years earlier, 27 years earlier. And I started thinking, she passed away at 75 years old. And I started thinking, if I only have 25 years left to live, that's not a lot of time. I can remember that going backwards. So it just hit me almost like a thunderbolt to just say, I've got to move forward. I've got to, I have a lot to do. Right. I don't have a lot of time, hypothetically, with a type 1 diabetic di diagnosis. I just started thinking about the vineyards and about the wine projects that were out there. And it just, it was inevitable for me. I thought about it for the next few days. I called Barbara right at the beginning of January and told her it was time. She totally understood. And it was at that day that I began the next chapter of my life. And I, I thought it was retirement, but I've never worked so hard my entire <laughs> life, but I've enjoyed every second of it since that time. And that, that's wonderful. And that is such a great story. And again, as I was doing a little bit of background, that was, seems like such a pivotal moment. Yeah, it was. It really was. Oh. Uh, over the summer, I did my sparkling report Yeah, and I remember asking you for a couple bottles mm -hmm. and you were just like snap on it. And I was like, wow, I was really uh, astonished by how quickly and how on top of everything that you were. And you had bottles to me in like a couple of days. I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> uh, so every interaction that I've had with you has been like, you're just on top of it, you seem to be working, I don't know, 24 hours a day. I don't know if you're getting sleep or not, but it reminds me of Dave Grohl. And I, I know that you, you know, have read my newsletter. We've talked a little bit, you know, back and forth about Dave Grohl and he is constantly going like gangbusters on everything. Yeah. So besides like Dave Grohl's work ethic. And to me, there's like different pieces and parts to Dave Grohl that probably hit home to you, but I'm only making it an assumption. Yeah. So why did you decide to read Dave Grohl's? I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. That's first and foremost. Right. And I'm a huge Dave Grohl fan. I still remember the first time I heard their music. It was at the Grammys in 2005, I think. And he, they did a cover of Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Right. I just couldn't believe it. it just floored me. So I've been a huge fan ever since. And so, in fact, my friends give me a hard time that I have them set up as idol type worship. But I just really respect what he's done. I think if you listen to people in the industry, he's a huge Paul McCartney fan and he's only ever giving credit to other people for anything that's ever happened to him, whether it be his mom, who's was growing up in DC or whether it be when he was playing in some punk rock bands and some of the people that got him through that and the opportunities within Nirvana and then starting the Foo Fighters. It just, to me, he's just, it doesn't feel like there's an ego there. Right. But then as I get closer and you watch some of the documentaries and when they're filming or they're making a, an album or something at his house, you get to see the person a little bit closer. And for me, it's that interaction he has with his children and some of the thoughts that he has and the priorities. And you hear about a deal where his, his daughters had a father daughter dance that he oh promised God. that he had to go to. And that was an amazing and story. And he's in Australia. Right. And he's now he got to cancel the trip and his manager said, I can't. He goes, okay. He goes, so they chartered a plane from, I think it was Perth to, you know, some Melbourne or something, Right. flew to LA, got off the plane, went straight to the father-daughter dance, left at the end of the father-daughter dance, got onto a plane and flew straight back to Australia. A and he got food poisoning on the flight. He got, he got food poisoning. And then also during the dance, he's get there, he has done everything. And then his daughter's okay, see you later, dad. Bye. Yeah. And he's like, oh. yeah. Right. Yeah. Family guy. And I look at that a little bit from my perspective and our relationships aren't the same. Our, our lives are not the same. Everything I think I'm doing now, I'm definitely doing for my children. It's a legacy play for me. Right. I feel that way when you read and talk about what he's doing. We're the, very much the same age. And I think we are looking at the clock and there's only so much time in this world and you got to make the most of it. And I think that leaving a legacy and, and making a mark and leaving something for your kids is very important to me. And I think right. that's what has, why am I so busy? I don't feel busy, but I know that I am. It just feels like the clock is ticking and I'll rest a little bit later. But for right now, there's a lot to do and there's a short time to get it done. There's very much a short time. And one of the things that I, I've always, so I, I saw Foo Fighters in, I think like 2000 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. No clue. And I remember Dave Grohl leaving the stage going up into the bleed nosebleed section of the stadium, not the stadium, but the, the center yeah. to touch those people. Mm -hmm. 
And then he also, in 2020, he got called out on YouTube from the little nine-year-old drummer. Yeah. And, you know, they, Nandy. Nandy. Yeah. Oh, and then just this past summer brought her on stage yeah. to wrap up the yeah. Foo Fighters concert. And it's, it is absolutely amazing. What I see you doing when you, and we'll get into all the ventures and stuff that you're doing, but like you have thought and you have heart that goes into the naming of what you're doing and what you're actually trying to present out there into the world. So you have the, the property at the joy mm -hmm. and you have the vineyard. I'm going to probably mispronounce this on a hakra on a hata hata. Yeah. Sorry. So that's a heart chakra. That's right. And then I believe you said like every block or something has. It's a translation of the word joy in a right. different language. And then the house, the hospitality home, we call at the joy. So the joy is the house. Anahata, which is the heart chakra, surrounds, which is the vineyard. Right. And then each vineyard block is a translation of the word joy. Except for one, there's one block called the SMP. Uh, that stands for Sister Mary Paul. So my wife's aunt grew up in Cottonwood, Idaho and was a nun. And for 60 years, she was in Umtata, South Africa and created three different schools and two different orphanages while she was there. And unfortunately in 2013, she was carjacked and killed. Very sad. At the same time, when we developed the property, we thought that she absolutely represented joy at its finest. So we picked the best block we thought of Pinot Noir and we named it the SMP block. So not only is it joy and the Anahata and joy, but we believe that Sister Mary Paul Block is very special and we know that she is uh, looking, that's an honor to name it after. That is very much an honor. And I like how, uh, I saw pictures over harvest, mm -hmm. you and your family were working on grapes, stomping them and everything. It's, yeah, it's really been fun. Three kids, they're very excited about the business. There's no obligation for them to come in. My daughter has just finished college, going to grad school. My son is in college. And then we have a younger one who's 13, but they all show interest in different varieties, which is fun. Right. Uh, I don't think they have a choice to really have a little bit of basic knowledge about wine because it's around us all the time. And we talk about it quite often. It's hard not to, but it's fun. And then the other thing, which is really exciting is that at the joy we've um, introduce bees, which has really been a fun experience. And for the kids to be able to harvest the honey and extract the honey and do that, we did that this summer as well. And all of them participated in it, which was so much fun. And it just, they're starting to understand the ethos of what we're doing there and understanding the environmental connection that we have with the earth. And, you know, I've always been a big believer. Jess Jackson said this, and I, I believe it is, if, if you'll be good to the earth, it'll be good to you. And I firmly believe and so that's why everything we do is live certified in everything that we do. But the bees has really been this really exciting connection. It's a partnership we're doing with Jacobson Salt, and it's been really exciting. And Emily Schmeidel is our beekeeper, head beekeeper. We call her the queen bee. And uh, she's been great. She's teaching my daughter how to beekeep. It's just been a really cool family experience. But for me to have a, a really family connection to the property and then have the kids be involved at whatever capacity, and for that matter, just enjoying the property and being excited about it just right. makes me happy. Love I have a 13 year old daughter and just to see her light up and just enjoy, I mean, it just, my heart just gleams, yeah. right? So I can only imagine what that's like for you. Yeah. I mean, that's the reward. Right. right at the end of the day. Yep. Exactly. For sure. The story. So I, I think, so you have, I'm, I'm going to say four different projects, right? You have Lytle Barnett. Uh, I'm going to say at the joy is like a separate project. Okay. You have Obain and you have windfall. That's right. To me, it looks like Lytle Barnett was started first. That's correct. And I think, were you with the Jackson family at the time when you met Anthony Beck and you were talking horses? I was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. You want me to go into that piece a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a really fun experience. So my partner, Anthony Beck, who has Grand Beck out of South Africa, uh, he's into thoroughbred horse racing. And our family was in thoroughbred horse racing uh, years ago in the 80s. And we had a farm out there. And Barbara Benke is into thoroughbred horse racing. So that's the kind of connection between Barbara. And Anthony had a project here called Angela that Ken Wright was making the, project, uh, the product for him. And Anthony had asked Barbara if Angela could be represented by the Jackson family through its distribution network. So Barbara asked me to meet up with Anthony. And so we did this launch kickoff in 2011, I believe, at the Allison. And that's where Anthony and I met for the very first time. And I've always been a sparkling wine fanatic. And they make Peter Fiera 
the winemaker for Grambeck is a phenomenal nickname Bubbles, amazing product. And I thought that, you know, what a great opportunity. Because about that time was when Pinot Noir had always been king here in the Willamette Valley. And in 2011, Chardonnay had really started coming online. I think probably 2008 or nine, really when Isabel was doing amazing things with Evening Land. And Chardonnay really became, started to get warmer, became a really great variety, consistent, super high quality. Now all of a sudden you had two of the three components for sparkling wine primarily, other than Meunier, which is a blender and you can make sparkling without it. My conversation with Anthony was, I think you should think about making some sparkling wine here. You know how to do it in South Africa. It's a different hemisphere. Have Peter come up here and, and do it in the off season. And he just nodded and we just continued a conversation. And then because of the Angela relationship, I had to you know be in contact with Anthony fairly often for the next few months. And we started talking about every time we would get together, I'd say, right. what about that sparkling wine idea? So he called me one day, maybe four or five months later and said, you really think I should do sparkling wine in Oregon? And I said, I think you're crazy if you don't. And he said, okay, I'm going to do it. I said, that's a good call. He goes, but you're going to partner with me 50-50. So that was it. So right. that's uh, Lytle Barnett. Barnett is his mother's maiden name. And he didn't want to put Beck on the label because it would be confusing with Graham Beck. So we did Lytle Barnett, an homage to family names. And really, if you look at the label, it looks French. Lytle Barnett, if you think about the, the houses over there, the big houses, they're usually names or the growers or names of families. But we really wanted to pay tribute to that. And so... Lytle Barnett's on the label, so it feels a little bit like it's got a little bit of a French flair to it. Right. And it's really, we're not trying to make, just like we do with Pinot Noir in the Valley, we don't think Pinot Noir in Oregon is better than Pinot Noir from Burgundy. They're just different, and they're both excellent. Correct. And we feel the same way about sparkling wine in Oregon and the quality that's now there compared to French Champagne. I wouldn't say that we're, we're too young to really compare ourselves to vintage French Champagne, but to non-vintage, I think, I think we're there from a qualitative standpoint. And as you and I were discussing earlier, it's amazing to think that our first vintage of Lytle Burnett was back in 2013. But as, you, and as we talked, there's that period of time with vintage where by the time you harvest the product, you know, and you put it in the barrel for its first fermentation, and then you get it into the bottle for its secondary fermentation, there's a window of about five years from the time you harvest the product by the time you can release the product with a minimum age of three years in the bottle. Right. Traditional method. That's a long waiting period. It's super and, long. And so I can understand. So if you can imagine in 13, you make your first vintage and then you don't really release the product until 19. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, all the money out, you're making wine. You really don't know what you have in the bottle. So it's a bit of a leap of faith. Thank God I've got a great winemaker and Andrew Davis, because I do trust him. And we had Peter at the beginning, really helping to steer us along a little bit. So, you know, I would sit back and look at it and think, if Andrew Davis thinks the wine's good and Peter Fierre thinks the wine's good, then who am I to say it isn't? So exactly. I feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that the, the leaders in sparkling wine and Cap Classique are really excited about the project. Well, I, I came across it. I saw it, I think, first at Carlton Winemaker Studio. And I was like, that's interesting. I think I got a bottle, mm -hmm. opened it up with a friend. Mm -hmm. And they're like, holy cow, I think it was... A 13 or 14 Blanc de Blanc. Okay. And it was phenomenal. I mean, both were like, holy cow. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. Oh. Do -do -do. Now, as I'm trying to think through a couple other things and trying to go through the, the time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With, um, I believe you were still with Jackson fan. And they bought a vineyard, the, the Xenia, Xenia Crown Vineyard. Yeah. And you were asked about when are you going to buy a vineyard? And that, at that time you were thinking Walla. Yeah. Why were you thinking Walla? I've always been a Chardonnay fan and I've always been a Bubbles fan, but I really wasn't a, a huge Pinot Noir consumer, but I was a big cab consumer. So I have some friends up in Walla that have been making wine up there for years and they're making incredible wines. I really do. I'm a huge supporter of Walla. I think they're, they're up and coming at a significant level. I think the quality is exceptional. And I look at Walla a little bit like I do for some of the areas of Eola, where they remind me of Healdsburg 25 years ago, or 30 years ago, right. they're up and coming and there's an opportunity there. And I think I liked Cabernet. There was an idea there that maybe we'll you know, go over there and buy a vineyard or maybe plant something. And the, the fun story is that Ken Kupperman, who is one of the greatest guys in the wine business and his, he's manages all the vineyards for Jackson family. We were giving a distributor a tour of the newly purchased Xena Vineyard. So this was in 20, 
2012, I think 2012, it was fairly early on. And we gave him a, a tour to the distributor and he pulled me aside and he goes, when are you going to buy something? And I said, well, I'm thinking about Walla. And he goes, oh, you should really think about here in the Willamette Valley. And we kind of came around a corner blocked by some trees. And I looked across the way and there was this beautiful home. It wasn't a vineyard, but it was a beautiful home that sat amongst all these hay fields and there was a little orchard on it. And I said, that's a beautiful piece of property. And he looks at me and he goes, it's for sale. No, oh, no. And I said, oh, Chris Viggins taught me a long time ago that A plus wine comes from A plus vineyard land. So the first thing that we did is do the soil samples and see what's going on because there wasn't a vineyard on it. It'd been hay for 30 years. Right. And so we did the soil samples, tested it, came back good. There's a really interesting story about that. So because Jackson family had just bought across the street, the at the Joy property, which is what we were looking at, ended up being this beautiful view back at Zena. So Barbara had looked at the property and at the time the president of Jackson family was a guy named Hugh Reimers and they had looked at the property, but they had just absorbed Zena, Grand Moraine, a couple other pieces of property around the valley. So they really weren't in the mood to buy land. So they wanted to buy the house, but they didn't want to buy the land. And the trust out of California said, we're not going to split it up. You have to buy the whole thing or nothing. So they decided to, they looked at it, they really wanted it, but they decided not to do it. That's about the same time I looked at the property and right. I was looking at it primarily for the land. But what ended up happening was they said houses available. I wasn't looking to buy a house, but I looked at it and my mind went through the opportunity for hospitality because in the Willamette Valley, you know, we're growing and there's not a lot of opportunities for high-end hospitality. So in my mind, I was thinking in the industry and I was thinking VRBO and outside the industry and things like that. And I really saw the opportunity and it came to me fairly quickly. I went to make a offer on the property and what's wild is my offer expired at midnight and uh, 10 o'clock that night, my phone rang and it was Hugh Rivers. And he said, Andy, that property that we're talking about across the street that we were looking at, he goes, are you going to make an offer on that? I said, that's my offer that's in there right now. He goes, are you still planning on using it for hospitality and entertainment? And I said, absolutely. He goes, okay, cool. He goes, we're not going to counter you. He goes, I hope you get the property right. and that's it. So I view that completely as serendipitous, right? It, right. it was meant to be because they could have easily outbid me easily. And the opportunity to the fact that I knew you, the fact that he knew I was looking at the property, that he had my cell number and called me and said, what are you going to do with this property? And they said, green light, go for it. I think it just allowed me the opportunity to really begin you know, that next chapter. Yeah. Get in there. And then that kind of falls in line when you went to buy Windfall. That's correct. So go, go ahead. 2018, Rita Wolf, who's one of the greatest people in the Willamette Valley. I think she's wonderful. She was looking around for property and she called and said, Hey, I found a piece of property. Um, it's 117 acres. It's all forest. Uh, beautiful piece. It had been owned by a, fa a blueberry farm family for the last hundred years. And so it hadn't been available, but they wanted to take advantage of, they can't plant blueberries on a hillside. They have to do it on the flats. So they were just taking advantage and cashing out of some of the pieces of property that had just been forest land for them. Again, a beautiful piece of property that had ironically would have been gone years ago if it wasn't under, you know, the, the, the ownership of a, a family that had owned land there forever. And the opportunity to go in and make a full price offer on that property uh, the Monday after Rita told me about it, there were three other full price offers on the property. And the only reason they accepted my offer versus some of the other offers was because I had already owned a property in the Valley. So if you go back all the way to 2012, 13, when we bought at the, at the Joy Anahata property, if it wasn't for that phone call that allowed me to get that property, it really was also that phone call that allowed me to get windfall. So it's really exciting at the Joy Anahata is a 30 acre piece and the new property is 117 acres and we just finished planning it to 55 acres and uh, half Chardonnay and half Pinot Noir and a little bit of Meunier in there. So you can get an idea of what we might be doing off of that property. Yeah, really, because one of the reasons we named, I wanted to name the vineyard Serendipity, but it just seemed too whimsical for me. And so looking up the synonym for Serendipity, the first thing that comes along is windfall. And the double entendre is that it faces south and it faces west. So it's staring directly at the Van Duzer Corridor. So when that name windfall came, just struck me again, like another lightning bolt that had happened to me before. And it was the name, it just right. absolutely stuck. Now fast forward a little bit. When we make the single vineyard estate wines, Aubain means windfall in French. We just didn't want to name the vineyard the same name as the brand. 
and Obain is doing single vineyard stuff off of Guanajuato now, and eventually we'll do single vineyard estate off of the windfall property as well. So that's right. why we did the name Obain. And it's uh, humbleness. That's what really comes to my mind is things fall into place. You seem extremely grateful for everything that has happened. And you've put in a whole heck of a lot of work at the joy and also at windfall. There's multiple times that you, it looks like that you've gotten stuck at windfall and you've had to like get your truck like hauled out of there twice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One time I saw the Ford and I'm like, holy cow, how are they going to get that out of there? Yeah. Oh, and then you're actually out there with the shovel and like planting the vines and everything. It's yeah. Firstly, I just to say that there's a, there's a, uh, you know, our life path has already been determined. And I believe that wholeheartedly and that these blessings that are coming my direction are gifts you know, from God. And I just feel truly blessed and honored to, to receive those. And right. I feel obligated to, it, it's funny. You think back on for our family, we're five generations in the timber business. So my great grandfather would put dug fur in the ground and plant and reprod those. And it's been in our family for generations. And it's just ironic that here we are all these years later. And then the second chapter of my life, what am I doing? I'm, I'm in the ground. I'm working with the earth and I'm putting vines in the ground. My great grandfather put dug fur in the ground, but I'm putting vines in the ground. And there is something that is, um, humbling, rewarding, spiritual about what we're doing there. And just everything from the chance meeting with Ken Kupperman, the meeting with Anthony Beck, the Andrew Davis and Isabel, they're married and they're the two best makers for bubbles and still wine, in my opinion. And how, do, why am I there? Why are they talking to me? How, why are they working with me? How did these now 150 acres come under my watch? And it just, it's humbling and it's, it does feel like in a complete gift and a, and a blessing and I accept it. Right. And, and you just glimpsed over Isabel just for a second, but let's go back. Yeah. So you've been working with Andrew for many years Yeah. and Isabel actually comes up to you Yeah. when you're not ready to make still wine yet. And it's, do you want to do still wine? Yeah. What was fun was because Isabel had been busy with some of her projects and, but she had seen everything that we've done because Andrew and I were working very intimately together since 2013. And it was inevitable that our relationship with Isabel was going to cross paths. But when we planted Anahata in 2015, she was part, she saw all of that. She was part of where we should plant, what varietals should we plant, those different kinds of things. So she was very aware of what we were doing there. And I think we were thinking about doing a still wine project sometime in the future when she had the time. So when she came, and I thought it would be maybe in 2022 or 2025, but when she came to me in 2018 and said, I think it's time that we do a single vineyard estate project off the Anahata, right. I was floored and I wasn't going to say no. Again, one of those great gifts right. that just, and uh, it was a great, uh, so glad that we did it. We have such a great working relationship. So it, it, what's really fun for me, and we just got done with holidays and whatnot, but Andrew and Isabel are family and yet they are family to each other. And so there's something really tight knit and really exciting about what's happening there. And again, huge blessing. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I was like, when yeah. I first came upon that, I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just, this is more of a curiosity question. I, I, so I've seen a label with the Albane winds, I'm yeah. going to call it. Yeah. But it says windfall on it. Mm -hmm. So was that just a, a prototype or like when you actually produce out a windfall, is it going to look like the Albane label or did you like change course yeah, a little bit? Good. You recognize that there were a couple iterations we were going to call the brand because when we started thinking about the still wine project, windfall didn't exist yet. Right. So it was originally Anahata with the, a little bit of the same label design. Andrea LaRue just is an amazing label designer. And so she's done our Lionel Barnett label as well as our Obain label. So it started with Anahata. Then we bought the windfall piece. And for the same reason we decided not to do Anahata, we were thinking windfall, but we didn't want to name the brand at the name of the vineyard for right. obvious reasons. And so when we started thinking about that opportunity, windfall, taking it off of the label and thinking of, because what we do and how Isabel makes her wine, it's very much an homage to Burgundy and stylistically our Chardonnays are very much like Chablis. Our Burgundies are, I'd say Jevy is, Jevy Chambreton is what we modeled a little bit of some of the, the Joie, which is our reserve wine off of that. So an homage to France 
and, and to the French Burgundian wines, naming, changing the name from Windfall to Obain, created the opportunity for us to have single vineyard off of Anahata. So you have the Obain project and it's from the Anahata right now. And then when the Windfall vineyard comes online, we planted it over the course of the last year and a half. So we have a few more years before we start putting a single vineyard project together of Obain from the Windfall vineyard. Right. So the label will look, and I'm glad you mentioned the label. It's really exciting. There's two waves. There's a uh, green wave and a blue wave. And the green wave represents the Eel Amity Hills and the blue wave represents the winds of the Van Duzer. So it's supposed to be a little bit of an, uh, a tribute to, of, of a sense of place right. and where we are. And so we're really excited about the label, excited about the name. And again, I'm biased at Eola Amity because that's where our vineyards are. Yeah, no, totally. And then diving a little bit into the Eola Amity, I think you've you referred to you know, like 20 years ago when the Castells were there, the climate just, it was hard over the last 20 years. There has been some climate change making it a little bit easier to bring in a little bit more ripeness and make it growing a little bit easier. Yeah. Looking forward, you're building this huge legacy. So in 50 years, are you thinking that far down? What is Eola Amity Hills going to look like with climate change in 50 years? Yeah, well, it's, it's an excellent question. I think we talked about the Castiles, they would say, and when they founded Bethel Heights, if you look at that Eola Amity Bowl, where Anahata and at the Joy is, where Walter Scott and Zena Crown, and it's in that bowl and it's protected from the Van Duzer winds because Going back 15 years ago, it would have been too cold to ripen anything that was facing the Van Duzer winds. And so the bowl is protected and that's why, and, and it was for years considered a cold climate, a growing region, and it still right. is because we have our built-in air conditioner, the Van Duzer. It's amazing to think that now, if you think about 15 years and nothing maybe on the west side of the Olamity Hills could ripen, now we have sub-AVAs over there, right? We have right. the Van Duzer AVA right. on the other side of the 99. Who would have dreamt that? If, and even when you go up to Yamhill Carlton, the Grand Moraine property sucked all the way back up in those fingers up into the mountains. Right. So it used to be that we used to say it's got to be, can't face west and it, and it, uh, has to be between 300 and 800 feet. And we had all these parameters on what was proper growing area. And then for sparkling, you want high elevation because you, know, you want the vine to stress a little bit. You want it to ripen, but you got to pick it at low sugars and those different kinds of things. And there are all these parameters Those have gone a little bit out the window. Now we're making wines from 300 feet up to 1200 feet or more. And now we're planting on the West side, you know, of the old Amity Hills because it's warm. The climate is warm. I talked earlier about the Chardonnay didn't really ripen here very, it wasn't a high quality and it was inconsistent until about 2008 or nine. And then it really got consistent quality, went through the roof, created that opportunity. And so it's amazing. What's it going to look like in 50 years to answer your question? I hope we're not getting into Tempranillos and some uh, <laughs> Rhone style right, uh, right. up here. You can see that happening in Southern Oregon and you can see that moving up into Roseburg. And I really applaud what's going on in Southern Oregon. I grew up there. I grew up in Grants Pass and the, the farm that I grew up on is now vineyards and it, we couldn't even dream it was too wet. Now there's vineyards all over that property. And you can see the people leaving California waters that probably going to be worth more than gold here eventually, probably. especially in the agricultural business. And we have that. And so you're starting to see people, whether it be the French, we've seen that with the Bollinger family, and we've seen it with the Genos and the Druins and other families coming into the Willamette Valley because they see that opportunity. But more so, you're seeing those California producers come up because it's beautiful land, the climate is more temperate, and there's opportunity for quality that wasn't there in the past. And so I really think we're still at the early stages, you think about the value of the property, it's been going up astronomically, right. but it's still not even close to anything you're getting in Sonoma. But I think eventually it will. I think that's why people are getting into it these days. I, I would agree. Yeah. I have a completely random question. All right. There's a chance you're like, I have no idea what the heck you're talking about. Okay. But with you being like on top of it, like technologically, mm -hmm. you seem to be like, and you might have your niche, like I'm good at this, but everything else outside of it, I suck at. So mm -hmm. if you're like, eh, I don't know, mm -hmm. just, do you know what NFTs are? Oh yeah. So have you thought about like NFTs in the wine world? It's so funny you say that. We've really had this great opportunity with 
the Psalm TV piece in the show we have called Sparklers. Right. I was going to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there eventually, but I'll, I'll fast forward. Jason Wise, amazing person. We've had a great experience run over the last year and it's still running right now in Psalm TV. Super fun. But there's a guy that's one of the participants in it. His name is Matt Kaner. Mm-hmm. Great guy out of uh, Los Angeles and he's done a couple of restaurants and he called me uh, and said, you ready to do uh, NFTs? And I said, what's an NFT? <laughs> and he started laughing and he goes, oh man, we got to do some education. So they're looking at it. I'm starting to, you know, understand it. Here's what I would tell you, like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, right? right. I've had my financial guys sit down directly across from me like you are and explain it to me for an hour. And at the end of it, I'm like, I don't get it. So I'm a little like that right now with NFTs. That's fair. That's fair. Non-fungible token. But thinking about the idea that a, a picture of a wine label or a bottle or vineyard could be something of value to me is I understand a baseball card, right. but I don't yet understand the concept of what the value might be, but I'm completely open to it. Right. So you always surround yourself with people that are smart. That's always it's worked for me because it's not very hard to do. So, well, I, but you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. Well, on. I don't understand NFTs. No, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. And the reason I brought it up is I, I think if you think about NFTs and let's take it outside of like the art world and JPEGs mm-hmm. and let's bring it into the real world. Yeah. You have a collection. You have At The Joy, you have Lytle Barnett, you have Obain. If you... So you can actually create an NFT that actually, let's say is a membership. And let's say there's only a hundred memberships in the world. And what you get out of this membership is access to your wine or to your hospitality or to events. And there's only a hundred of them in the world because they're like, think of them as certificate of authenticity. Sure. And you can actually verify it. Yep. And you own this for a period of time, or it could be a lifetime or or whatever. Then you create that scarcity like a baseball card. Mm -hmm. And people have the ability to resell those. And then it it just builds upon each other. And it's a, it's an interesting concept. So I wanted you to ask because, or I wanted to ask you if you thought about it in the wine world, outside of a wine label or a JPEG. I would say we're not against it. We're definitely thinking about it. And right. thank God I've got kids that are of the age that understand it even better than I do. But absolutely, I would agree. We have assets. We have assets that if there's a way to have an NFT opportunity, we'll go ahead and take a strong look at them. Right. right. I might be calling you about that. that sounds a little bit more about NFTs. <laughs> Maybe a fraction. So you talked about sparklers, right? You've talked about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And in case everybody else doesn't know, I, yeah. so sparklers is like a reality TV show that was filmed at the joy yeah. on some TV. It's all part of the, the some movie series. Yeah. How, what I'm just, you seem to be everywhere all over the place and you just be in, seem to be in the right spot at the right time. How did all that happen? A gift again, it was at the end of 2019, we knew that we were going to be launching into the market of California. And I guess this was at the end of 2020, at the end of 2020, we knew we were going to be launching in 2021 down in California. And COVID had just began and shut the industry down and it slowed everything down, especially for on-premise and high-end wines it slowed down fairly dramatically. I went to some of the folks we were working with at Omvino and they recommended that we send some wine to maybe the top 40 restaurants or sommeliers down in California. So we did that. So we took a bottle of Lytle Barnett Brut 2014, wrote a note that said, I know it's been a tough year for everybody. Enjoy this bottle of Lytle Barnett sparkling wine over the holidays with your family and friends. Looking forward to doing business with you in 2021. And we sent it to 20 Psalms in LA and 20 Psalms in San Francisco. And um, everybody got back very appreciative of it. Again, going back to Matt Kaner, he called me and said, I need you to be by your phone in 15 minutes. So I said, okay. So he and Jason Wise called and said, we have an idea. And it was at that time that they still didn't have sparklers completely in their head. They had the name and they knew they wanted to do a food and wine pairing competition where sommeliers were the judges, but they didn't have it all pictured yet. And they said they wanted to do wines from around the world. So they had three sparkling wines from France. They had two sparkling wines from Italy and they wanted to do a domestic and they didn't want to do California. So they wanted, they asked us to be the domestic. 
and it was a no-brainer. So then they came up, they took took a look at at the joy because every there was going to be an episode for each one of the projects, but because of COVID and the inability to travel, they came up and they looked at the joy and then said, "Would you be interested in?" allowing us to film a majority of sparklers here at the joy because we can't travel and right. again it was like of course and so the opportunity for lytle Barnett to get that exposure the opportunity for at the joy and the anahata vineyard to get that exposure was invaluable again it was a gift that just maybe it's paying it forward we sent the bottles out to touch the right people the opportunities were there and that's how it happened. It's been a great relationship. That's absolutely amazing. Yeah. yeah. I've thoroughly enjoyed watching. Did you get to tasting the samples? Were you there during the... I was there during the filming of the Lytle Barnett. There's ended up being 13 episodes. Lytle Barnett has two episodes. And and then who knows? Maybe the I do not know the answer to what the finale <laughs> looks like. But I was there for the filming of the Lytle Barnett pieces. Wasn't there for the filming of the rest. They filmed eight episodes at Lytle Barnett. And the, I'm sorry, at, at the Joy. And then the, the remaining... Uh, five episodes they filmed down in Sonoma. They've now, where it is in the sequence, they've now finished all the filming, or they filmed uh, the show, um, is done with the shows at the Joy. Now they're moving to California for the last five episodes, and then we'll see what happens there at the end. But I, I think you just don't want to tell. No, I really don't know <laughs> oh, the answer. Okay. They okay. really sworn me. I didn't even have to swear to secrecy because they won't tell me. Oh. But I'm excited. Yeah, no, I've, I've been watching it every week. And again, whether we win or lose, it really doesn't matter. The opportunity to be part of that sequence right. was amazing. And then what's cool is it's airing on Som TV right now, but then once it finishes its initial run on Som TV, right. it's going to stream on all platforms. So Netflix, Hulu, oh, wow. you know, Amazon Prime, all of those things. And it'll be something that we'll be able to revisit, come back to. So right. hopefully the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of the things I really, so me being in technology, there's a term called the long tail and I can see like where Sparkler is going. I mean, that whole long tail effect is just going to keep going and going. Let's hope so. Yes. It'd be great. The Oregon wine community. I have to talk about the Oregon wine community. Can you pick out a story or two that like stick that like really resonate with you about the Oregon wine community of, I know that's, and it's difficult to pick one or two. And And I'll tell you why it's difficult because I would say that it's really been, I was very surprised on how accepting, how warm it really is a huge throwback to farmers. I think at the end of the day, and I think if you asked a lot of people in this community, in the Oregon wine community, what are we? Well, at our root, we're farmers. I used to joke that I was a hashtag farmer, but then I realized that's a lot of work. So I dropped the hashtag and now it's just farmer. But from um, asking for advice, asking questions, being vulnerable about some of the things that you're thinking about doing to my tractor broke down, can I borrow yours to, can I store some product on your property to where do you get the best deal on renting a heister? But those different kinds of things, this community is absolutely open arms. And I think it's really, I I would really chalk that up to being one of the reasons why it's, it's such a great opportunity to be part of it, but it's also why it's coming together as such a beautiful community with this unbelievable reputation. We won wine region of the of the world a few years ago, which is not a shocker. But right. if they saw what's under the covers of what's happening here, they'd understand the why. It's like having a football team or a, a sports team that has just amazing culture uh, and how they blend and work so well together. And, and then you look at things inside the community where you and I went to an event a few weeks ago where everybody's giving back and they're doing charitable events and there's education events and right. people are doing them for free and they're, they're they're introducing real estate community into the wine community, into the insurance community. And some of the things that are happening there, it's, it's really setting itself up for really doing some amazing things that you're really proud to be part of. Again, going back, it's hard to pick one or two things. There's been, well, there, there, there's so many, I, I think a really great example yeah. is the collaboration of of the sparkling programs that are happening at Winters Hill. Yeah. Winters Hill, Lytle Barnett is there. I think Mellon Meyer is there. Corollary is yep. there. Yep. I, I, there might be others that I'm not aware of, but just that whole, you just don't hear of people, four or five different brands under one roof, helping each other out, collaborating yeah. and helping elevate everybody else. Well, let's give a shout out a little bit to Andrew Davis, right? And when, right. Yeah, you know, I didn't really tell the story, but I'll just mention it quickly. In 2013, 
when he and I started having conversations, he had just left Argyle. He was just starting the Radiant Sparkling Company. And the window that I asked him to be our winemaker, if I would have asked him two weeks later, he would have said no, because Radiant had just started. We were his first client and it took off like a rocket. There are so many people in this community that were so excited about being able to make sparkling wine, but they didn't have the equipment, disgorgement equipment, all of the things that they needed weren't for still wine, they're for sparkling wine. The investment was too large. Right. He created something and you talk about how communities work together. That project alone, Radiant Sparkling Company, and I think he's got 200 clients, something along and that, and whether they're making 50 cases for a tasting room or they're making a thousand cases, try to go market to the wine market. It's really because he had this great idea and it was really to help out his neighbors, right. create an opportunity. And that's a great example of um, not being selfish about opening up the opportunity for others to really participate. And that's a great example. And he's done a great job at it. And I will tell you, he's busy as all get out. He's got a great team working for him at Radiant, but he still focuses and he makes wine for us. So we're right. very happy. Yeah, no, it is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Just briefly talking about Domain Merriweather. Yeah. So, I, I'm curious, do you have just a, a timeline of like when you're looking to bring out a... If you asked Andrew, he'd say not soon enough. So little backstory on Domain Mer Merriweather. Jack Baghdad and a couple of friends got together. I believe it was in the early 90s. And they made an unbelievable sparkling wine. This community wasn't ready for it. It had been served in the White House. Domain Merriweather is a tribute to Merriweather Lewis, right? So it's got this great homage to Oregon. And the label is a design where it's a blanket that Sacagawea had given Merriweather Lewis. And there's a coin. Actually, they had to get permission from the White House to use the Jefferson commissioned a coin for the Lewis and Clark expedition. And it's, so it's on the back necker of the label. And then there's also a quote on the back that says, oh, the joy, which is what Meriwether Lewis said when he saw the Pacific Ocean for the first time. So Andrew introduced me to Jack Baghdad, who the project just didn't work because it was too early. I had a conversation with Jack and we ended up buying all the intellectual property of Domain Meriwether. The idea is, is that we're going to make Lytleburn is a vintage sparkling project. Whereas Domain Merriweather is going to be a non-vintage sparkling project. Right. And we don't have a UPC on Lytle Barnett. We'll probably put one on Domain Merriweather, probably a bigger project, uh, maybe 10 to 15,000 cases. So with that on timing, to answer your question is Andrew wants to do it tomorrow because what that means is we have to build a sparkling facility, right. which we're, you know, in conversations about right now. And it has to be big enough to be able to make 15 or 20,000 cases. It's a fairly large project. So. It's a little of the cart and the horse. We know we're going to do it. Right. We know Windfall and Anahata, as well as Anthony has bought some property in the Olamide Hills as well, that is going to allow us to get the fruit source that we need to have. But um, first we need a place to do it. Going back to Winter's Hill, we love those people. It's been a great blessing to be there. Right. But Domain Merriweather would be too big for that project. So right, right. it has to be done somewhere else. No, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's maybe 10 or 15 years. I, less maybe. than that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm very Again, much looking forward to I'm it. I'm on the clock, right? I know, you know I, I know. Said, you know. I only have so many <laughs> years left. Again, that's the thing we look back on to think that we're in our ninth vintage of Lytle Barnett and we started that back in 13 or that we planted Anahata in 15 or that we bought the Anahata property and planted it and did all that work in 13 and 14. That's nine years ago. And it just poof, where did the time go? And, and to think that we'd already be going into our third vintage of still wine with Obang, it's just amazing to think. It's funny. Domain marrow weather seems like a long ways away, but it's going to be around the corner as soon as so um, I have 10 no to doubts. 15 years probably isn't the time. Little okay. That's good. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Yes. All right. We'll get into some rapid fire questions and okay, then great. we'll yeah. do some revealing of the wine. Okay. Great. Okay. So when you were doing harvest last year with your family and everything, was there like a, a favorite artist that everybody wanted to hear in during harvest? Let's just say that. So. As I listen to music, I know it's rapid fire, but I start my day with classical music and then I usually get into country in the middle of the day. And I love Chris Stapleton. Okay. I love Kenny Chesney. Okay. You know, so when you're out on the farm, that is really the music, but inevitably it finishes with little Foo Fighters, some Pearl Jam. But first thing in the morning, my favorite thing is it's either classical music, but if you're at, at the joy, it's John Coltrane. 
And it's so great to walk around oh, yeah. in the morning with the fog and sitting around listening to Coltrane through the music. It's, it's just, that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be So great. it wasn't a straight answer, but it was. No, that's, that's good. It's what happened. That's great. Yeah. Do you have a favorite indulgent food? Oh my God. Yes. It's so hard to pick one. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I love bubbles and bubbles could be great with French fries. Uh, <laughs> French fries is probably not my indulgent food, but I would say, man, uh, if you have a little caviar or some creme fraiche. Right. And some bubbles. That's oh. very hard. That would be, that would a be, little indulgent. Right. That's what we're talking about. Right. Favorite indulgent yeah, food. There it is. Yes. If you could choose a superpower, what would it be? Joy. Okay. I believe joy is a superpower. Right. I believe that as the, a healing power, we didn't talk about the Children's Cancer Association, but I've been part of it for 20 years, chaired it for seven. And I believe joy is a superpower. I would agree. I would agree. As you get more and more like agriculture and are you taking notes out in the field? And if you are taking notes, yeah. are they handwritten or are they digital? Oh, they're both. They're all handwritten notes primarily, and then they get transferred digitally. However, there's a new, I have a new tablet called a Remarkable yep. that's really fun. And I've been trying to take all of my notes on there. In fact, Andrew has one as well. So. When we're doing our blending and tasting notes, we're writing on Remarkables, okay. which is super fun because then you can go straight into a digital file and we're trying to do all of them that way. But sometimes if it's pouring down rain and you're trying to take notes on a digital tablet in the middle of a vineyard. Right. You either have to recall it and do it back in the truck or sometimes it's easier just to scribble them down. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Favorite superhero? Iron Man. Oh. Love Iron Man. There you go. There you go. And what's the last book that you read? Oh, Storyteller by Dave Grohl. Of course. I love it. But I will tell you this. I just am starting a book right now that I'm absolutely fascinated by. It's called Breath by a guy okay. named Nestor. And they talk about uh, the lost art of breathing. Oh, yeah. And it talks about uh, whether you have nasal breathing or mouth breathing. Right. And the health things that come across that. And while nasal breathing is so incredibly healthy for you and mouth breathing really creates disease. And I'm fascinated by it. That's one I'm reading right now. Yeah, Storyteller by Dave Grohl, if you haven't read it, it's awesome. It the is. audiobook, hearing him tell the words is really spectacular. Both. Yeah. I've done both. Super fun. Yes. And, and breath work in general, it is, if you talk about joy and healing, and if you start studying breath work, yeah. there's so much that can happen. Absolutely. And it's, that's a quite a little rabbit hole that you can dive into. No question. Yes. Fascinating. Shall we reveal the wine? Yes, let's do it. Okay. I'm excited. Isabel. Yes. Lavinia Elton Vineyard. Yes. 15. I knew it was spectacular. Yes. Has to be. Yes. She's an incredible winemaker. Yes. I, I, I debated, I thought about bringing like a French Chardonnay and, and I, I wanted something that was a little bit closer to personal to you. Yeah. So that's why I chose this. Yeah. It was fun real quick. When we were sitting down talking about what's the flavor profiles we wanted in our Aubain Chardonnay and in our Aubain Pinot Noirs, we did blind and of the, we picked five wines that were going to, that's the flavor profile. Right. And we put and blinded in there a couple of Lavinia's, both for Chardonnay and for Pinot Noir. And what's interesting, I, I take it back. We came, we narrowed it down to three and two of our three wines were Lavinia's. The other for Chardonnay, it was a Bellini Matrichet and for the Pinot Noir, it was a Jevy Chambertin. But the fact that the Lavinia's and the French burgundy white and French burgundy red right. were the, were the paired together as the flavor profile that we were looking for really told me I had the right. Yeah. No, she is spectacular. Yeah. She's great. Very good. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate, you know, you taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. No, this was a blast. Thank yeah. you. Thanks AJ. All right. Thanks. Yeah.